Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinot. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Arthur Gelwicks. And welcome everyone who's listening to Productivity Cast to this week's episode. What we're going to do this week is a little unusual, unique. It'll be uh, something that we may try to do in the future um, if this works out to be a good format. What we're going to do is we're going to take four independent topics that each of us has come up with, and we are going to ask it of the other Productivity Cast team members. So we're all going to go round robin and kind of answer and discuss these mini topics that I think will be quite interesting. And hopefully we get into a place where we realize, wow, this could be its own episode by itself. So let's see what happens. We'll take a little bit of time for each of us to ask the question and then uh, go from there. So let's let's start off at the top alphabetically. Art? One of the things that we always have to try to do is get people over that initial hump of starting to be productive. So the question I have for the three of you is, if you had to give one piece of advice to someone who was looking to get started on being productive, what would it be and why? If I get somebody who approached me with that need, depending the person, I will say it's one or the other. If you have a person who has at least a basic, basic uh, understanding of productivity, then I will tell them to start writing down daily their goals. If you have a person who is before that point, then I tell these people, this person to start collecting and start writing things down. Because I think if you don't have anything, the first thing you need to do is to get into the important habit of collecting, of, of don't let things escape. Just take things out of your mind and your brain so that way you can go later into other steps. One piece of advice I'd give them is is is, is actually to capture something from their past. The, it comes from the idea that they already have 90% of what they need and they're already doing most things productively. I'm assuming that we're talking to an adult who has a, a, a full life, kids, job, mortgage, you know, the average adult, the average functional adult. And what I tell them is that they're not new to productivity, that they've been trying to be productive ever since they were about 10 or 11 years old. And they've been building habits and practices and doing different things in order to become more productive. And I maybe take them back to their history and say, when did you when did you realize that you needed to be productive or you needed to be effective and had them go back to some story about what happened when they were 11 years old and something fell through the cracks and it was a disaster. And so I'd want them to recapture what the, the ground they've taken. And the reason I do that, I do that is to get them present to the idea that they are already a builder of productivity systems. And the one they have now probably just hasn't grown up to meet the needs that they have today. So I'd want to get that sort of skill in their awareness and then ask some questions around what's the nature of their system today from the point of view of the unwanted symptoms they're experiencing. So I'd ask them, what what are the things that you want to get rid of that aren't working? So I would start, I'd actually start with questions. In terms of the first piece of advice I, I give to most people who are interested in becoming more productive is to learn their tools fully. I can't impress upon people enough the importance of understanding the tools that they're already using. It, unfortunately, 
people tell me that they need a tool in order to be more productive. And most often than not, they're already using tools. So the very basic example is most people know their way around Microsoft Word or some kind of text editor word processor. And lo and behold, you can keep a checklist in there. Honestly, you could keep your agenda, you know, calendar in a single Word document and be fine. If you fully understand how Microsoft Word works, you'd recognize its power and that you probably could create an entire productivity system in there. Do you want to ultimately? Maybe not. But the idea is, is that if you don't know your tools fully, then you don't know where they where they fail you. And ultimately, that means that you are not going to be as productive as you can be. And you'll keep chasing the dream of an ideal tool and nothing like that exists. There is no ideal tool out there. There's always going to be a tool that works 80 to 90. Maybe you can even get it to 95% of your ideal, but that's not what makes you a skilled worker. What makes you skilled as a worker is being able to get the job done. And if you're good at it, then it doesn't matter what tool you're using, but it really does matter that you know the tools, you know? So I, I guess it goes back to that, you know, if you give uh, a broken hammer and a, and a broken chisel to a uh, a skilled uh, a skilled sculptor they'll still be able to you know unearth the the donatello from the marble and that's just the reality of it you know you you doesn't it doesn't matter what the tool is it really matters the skill of the of the person who's using it so learn those skills art now that we have all answered your question what's your own what are, do you have any questions for us based on our answers and what's your answer to that question well, I don't have any questions for you guys because I think you were very succinct and clear on getting some or giving some ideas to people on how to really get the ball rolling. My personal response to it is usually a two-word answer, capture everything. Probably the most common problem I see people having is either A, they have things falling through the cracks because they just don't have a total picture as to everything that's coming in that they need to deal with, or they feel overwhelmed because they don't have that total landscape. They're not sure what all they have to have taken care of and when and how. So they make the mistake of trying to keep stuff in their head. And as soon as you start to try to keep stuff in your head, you're asking for trouble. Our brains are not built for that. We're very good at processing. We're very good at manipulating, storing, and recalling. Not quite so much, at least not in the ways we need to be productive. So as a, as a recurring thing, I tell people, if you're going to start someplace, start by capturing everything. I don't care where, I don't care what tool, I don't care how you're doing it, pen, paper, audio recording, uh, digital images, digital link, doesn't matter. Just the pure act of capturing everything will get you started on being able to handle your productivity. Well, that was a fantastic round one. We we made it in under time, so uh, that's great. Uh, let's, let's take it to round two. And uh, round two, that brings us to you, Augusto. What's your question for us all related to small changes? You know, it tied up a little bit of what Art is talking, because sometimes when people approach you, you know, hey, I need help on productivity, you know, it is important to to give them the, the concept that it's not about big changes. The, the, big, the big part is the impact that the small changes do, okay, when you start to do them often and do it consistently. So my question is, if well, one, if you agree or disagree with this, second, if you agree, you know, what, if you have a person who approach, what is the small, the smallest change you will tend to recommend more often? I understand it changed person to person, condition to condition, but, but there is something that tend to come more often than not. So 
what is that? Well, starting with small changes, I couldn't agree more how important that is because When you look at people who often struggle with trying to get productive, they get into this boil the ocean mindset. Usually the trigger is they find a really cool tool that they want to put into place and they try to do everything in that tool in all its different facets and all its different functions right away. And that just is overwhelming. You've actually created more work in trying to get yourself organized than you're actually trying to get done. So starting with small changes to move the needle can make all the difference. I'll go back to my capture everything. That little chain can make big movement. Or you know, the, the little change of reviewing what you have to do once a week. It doesn't sound like a major thing, but it can be earth-shaking when it comes to actually getting your ideas down and understanding the landscape of your work. So I couldn't I couldn't agree more. The trick is figuring out which little changes are worth making and which little changes aren't going to make a difference. And what I tell people for this is this is your opportunity to give yourself permission to fail. Make a change. Try it for a little bit. If it's not making a difference, stop making that change. Move on to something else. You don't have to get it right 100% of the time. Give yourself the opportunity to learn and to iterate rather than just saying, oh, that didn't work. I guess I can't do this. I'm stuck. I totally agree. I, I The only thing I would add to that is people have... Uh, they, they don't quite understand or get that they are they have constructed a system of interlocking parts and the the accurate diagnosis of that system is makes all the difference in the world and people sometimes make very strange because they don't understand that they have a system they make very strange decisions such as for example I've heard of of employees who leave jobs because in essence there is too much work or too much email or they don't see why email is important they go and take another job and as you may imagine they just reproduce the same situation and after a few months they have the same complaint and maybe it dawns on a few that just because i changed jobs doesn't mean i didn't carry the same system with me but for those who do understand that it's a matter of kind of like a car engine you know you hear you hear a strange sound or you see a, an unwanted behavior it's not sometimes not a trivial business to get to the source of it and make the very very small um, mechanical change that would then change everything in the engine, uh, ch- change the way the car operates. The same applies to, to our productivity systems. Really small changes can have huge effects and misdiagnosis can lead to just egregious errors, like for example, uh, quitting a job. So the diagnosis is all important and the, the skill of becoming a better diagnostician is a career, I think it's a career skill. Okay, I'm going to be the slight contrarian here as it relates to the importance of small changes. Uh, this this comes back to my ongoing it's not a theory it's it's a guess so don't take this as as a theory but the the idea here is that people need to pick the right changes as art talked about but i have a lot of problems with the semantics of uh the tiny habits movement of small habits mini habits and so on and so forth because they uh <laughs> There's kind of a misunderstanding of what that really means. So this I can I can relate it to my difficulty with the term deep work as defined by Cal Newport in in his eponymous book. And so he calls deep work something that is a a, a period of time where you are are secluded and are uh, and focused on 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 something that's of high value. But then he says that shallow work is that which is unimportant work 
that takes little bits of time. And unfortunately, there are times when you can do a little bit of work, a little bit of shallow work, and that can actually have a very large impact on outcomes. You know, just a single phone call and the person that you needed to show up to make the world change for you can happen. And so that's that's my problem with the idea of small changes um, in terms of its language. Do I agree with you on the premise? Absolutely. I think that I, I agree on the idea that uh, the right changes and choosing what I consider uh, the Goldilocks zone change, right, or, or the difficulty within the within the system or the challenge should be in the Goldilocks zone. It should be challenging enough that you're motivated to do it. And that's 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 key for people to understand is that you cannot be motivated for something if it's too easy. Uh, so you need you need the challenge to be there. Uh, you also need to dial back as it relates to the emotional weight of what you're trying to do. So if there's something that is emotionally sticky for you, then then you do need to dial it down, maybe lower than your challenge a level, because the emotional resonance is what's actually holding you back. So you've got to deal with both the difficulty level of the of the of the thing you're trying to do, what's your skill set, what's your strength in that particular regard, but also on the flip side, how much am I avoiding this by virtue of an emotional issue? And once you find the the right space between those two resources, then you are capable of of doing that small change that will affect uh, great growth. When I hear what you three said, it is interesting to hear, even when you hear, you know, what you, you just said, a lot of that can be improved if you get the permission to fail on the right diagnostic. And that's one of the things with the small changes that I believe is important. The problem I see many times is people start, well, okay, I'm going to get organized, okay, or get more productive or control the email or it doesn't matter what it is. And then they start conducting this crusade, okay, that lasts 12 hours. And at 12 hours, they're overwhelmed and quit. Okay? And one of the things I love about what Art said is the first small change is to give yourself permission to fail. Because there is going to be a lot of mini failures in order to make a change of any habit. So that was really, really important. I completely agree with Francis on the part of the diagnostics and with you on the part of the emotional and action component. But but the permission to fail may be something that you need to put first on your mind, you know, before you can even go and pick what is that going to be that small change then you need to give yourself that give that yourself that i'm okay if this fail and i'm going to try it until it succeeds it's going to be okay if we fail because otherwise what happens is between the overwhelming and the failure you will never make any change great ding 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 end of round two and so let's move on to round three and for round three, we have uh, the inimitable Francis Wade. Francis, what's your topic about improving over the course of a career? The trigger for this one was uh, a remark my mother made in a time management training I delivered about 20 years ago or so. And she sat through my training, which I didn't develop it, but I was teaching it. And at the end of it, she said something along the lines of, well, you know, it's good for everybody else, but, you know, I'm retired. I, I don't need to use this stuff. And, you know, I was crushed because this was like my, my baby. And I really believed in what I was doing. And what I was teaching was a, a, a fixed set of behaviors, pretty much along the lines of any, most, not any, but most time management training. And 
So the thought sort of crept into my mind then and it stayed with me ever since. Over the decades of someone's career, how do they sort of be the master of their own continuous improvement? At, at the moment, it, most people follow an ad hoc sort of random chase after the next blog post, listen to the next podcast, um, grab the next book, pick up the next app. And it's all sort of a, a haphazard movement towards what they believe is better. But is there a better way to direct someone's course so that they can effectively make improvements rather than just leave it up to sort of random random happenings? That's my question. Well, I wouldn't recommend a specific course direction. I don't I don't know that there's necessarily um, a prescribed outline that you could proceed through because what we're really talking about here is understanding that your productivity system is an organic entity. It actually has a life of its own. It has to be able to react to you and it also has to be able to react to your changing situation. So as we think about our systems moving forward over the years, I, I go back to, for example, GTD. GTD is one that has had to evolve over time because one of its core concepts has had to evolve, context. So when we think about our own systems and how do we improve them over our over our careers, I would say apply three criteria. One, what are the things that you need to be doing in your system to make you successful at your current point in your career? Two, what are the things that you need to add, take away, or change for the next step in your career that you're wanting to get to? And three, are you taking time to make sure you're aware of all the different things that are out there? Not, not deep dive, but just high level of opportunities to improve what you have based on the evolutions and learnings of other people. So constantly learning and constantly absorbing is a must because if you're not building up that mental tool set, your system's just going to sit and stagnate. So it's like the Kaizen of professional development. Uh, to a certain degree, yeah. Uh, you really have to take ownership of it. I wrote an article on this a while ago. Your career is your responsibility. Uh, even if you're in a company that has you know, great HR and they lay out your development plans and they figure out your corporate ladder and all. When it comes down to the end of the day, it's your job to determine where you want to be and how you're going to get there. So if you make that part of your system to say, I want to get to this outer point. And if, again, if you look at things like GTD, where you talk about you know, 30,000 foot levels and that sort, long-term planning, which is really hard for some people, just make sure that when you have your system, you are constantly looking at your system and saying, is this keeping me on the hamster wheel or is this giving me an opportunity to step out and start moving further down the path? Uh, the practical example I'll give for mine is that part of my system includes articles I need to read. And I'm just constantly capturing stuff in there from my newsfeed reader and from other sources. And then I'll backtrack and read them. Why? Because they help me get better at what I do, what I want to know, and ultimately how I put my system to work. I agree with, with art. You know, one of the problems I see often in people is they go to a point and then they simply stop that development. Okay. They, you ask them, well, when is the last conference you went? And they look at you like, conference? Why? I'm already there. But then the 10 years happen and they are still there, you know, and, and I agree. You need to develop, regardless how good your corporate structure is, assuming you have one, you need to develop what that plan is. And not only that plan on the professional, but, but as a whole, you know, what I'm going to be in the next years 
improving on on the personal side, on the spiritual side, on the professional side. And most people mix or miss that mark. Okay, they don't consider the importance of that. Ten years happen and say, "Oh, well, I better start doing something." And then, hey, sometimes they do. Most times, they even don't. Now, well, what I'm going to try now? I'm so behind. So the plan, in my opinion, at least, it need to be a pretty structured plan. Okay, what are you trying to accomplish? So that way you can add elements that you want to improve, elements you want to grow, elements that you want to be better at. Okay, because if you just go on the run, the problem with the blogs and the articles and the podcast and all that is that for most people, then it's a personal, a random personal development plan. Okay, oh, I will list a bunch of podcasts and hopefully I can grab something that will allow me to improve on my career. Okay, as Ray was saying early in the first part, if you learn to use Word really, really, really well, you can build everything there. But the problem is that require a certain level of focus in order to be able to learn the product really, really well. Other than that, it's going to be random learning. That's, that is what most people had. So even when you go to to retirement and that's something that I'm you know experiencing with my parents now okay in the same way the development plan for their career was what it was okay now they have no development plan they have no plan for the you know as well we're they're going to go through what the wind give them now that they are retired and i believe they need a plan and and we have been talking and arguing about it okay what you guys are going to do, what are going to be the hobbies. You guys cannot sit on a couch now until the moment when, you know, you pass. So, but for most people, the lack of that plan and the lack of that element, what produce is exactly that. They go and they, oh, they found a tip here, an article, great. And then they may apply it or apply for a little bit, but there is nothing that help them concatenate all those changes to really make an impact on all that. My thoughts around career development and any any kind of, of professional skills development really falls in line with the classical Greek structure. And so we, we go from uh, what we call theoria, praxis, and poesis. And not to get into too much of this, but in essence, uh, the rough translations are theory, practice, and then creation. And a lot of universities uh, that are teaching graduate programs talk about this idea of being a uh, scholar practitioner and and things of that nature. I think of it in three different stages. So you might be in an apprentice or student uh, sort of stage in your life where if you're uh, if you're actually a student, literally, then you know where your skill sets lie, which is in which is in learning how to master being a good learner and uh, and using the material, the framework that is given to you through a course syllabus and a series of course syllabi in order to achieve a certain level of uh, competence in your presumed and eventual professional space. Then you move into what I consider kind of the the scholar practitioner space. And at that point, you are you are not only and should be studying your practice, what you what you should be doing, uh, but you should also be practicing what you're going to practice, right? Uh, so that's where theoria, you know, theory, you, you've studied the material, you then go into this space where maybe it's a further apprenticeship, where there is more praxis, where you are practicing, uh, you know, getting what, what I, I tend to use the analogy of a, a performance artist who they learn 
the skills necessary to, say, be an actor, uh, then they practice that, they go to rehearsal, they get booked in a show, and then they have more rehearsals. And so now they're on stage, but not in front of a live audience. And then they ultimately perform, where they get up on stage, and these are these short bursts of moments where they try to do everything to the standards that are for that performance, right? Everything should hopefully be perfect on stage for the audience. And so we go through these stages and we keep vacillating between them. We keep going up and down, kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. As we go up and down these various stages, we are experiencing different things. I've always been in a professional space where there has there has been some kind of certification where you become a certified X, right? So they have a professional development framework built for you by, say, if you wanted to become an attorney, well, you go to law school, you pass the bar, then you have ongoing continuing legal education, and you have to take those in order to maintain your license, right? You need to practice law in order to uh, further your skills as an attorney, and or at least a, a practicing attorney uh, that is representing people. And so you have these these natural professional development checkpoints. If your profession does not have that, then I would look to the to the professions that do and to try and set up that same kind of structure, almost like writing your own syllabus for your career and then following that. And I'm I tend to fall on Augusto's side in, in wanting more structure than not. If you don't want a lot of structure, then look for certifications that don't require it just a, a requisite number of hours of doing what you're doing is enough. Then you might decide, okay, well, I want more uh, studying of the craft, of the art and, and science of what you're doing. Then you then maybe some continuing education uh, is, in, is necessary there in order to be able to level up. And so I hope that's useful to folks in terms of figuring out what parts theory, what part is practice and what part is performance and developing a syllabus for your professional career that can help you at each of those stages. I love the idea of the personal syllabus. Lots of college graduates flounder when they get into their first jobs because they go from highly structured environments where it's highly gamified and there's one step the, the, the progression is clear when you're in university or even in the first part of your career. If you're, for example, an actuary, just like you said, an actuary or a lawyer or a CPA, you go through very, very predetermined steps with respect to becoming a professional. But in the area of productivity, there is, let's say there's nothing and you've got to do exactly what you said. You've got to somehow craft your own syllabus. And I think what happens with most people is that they graduate, get into their first job. And once they get through whatever certification they're they, they need to get past, they relax. I think they go into sort of cruise control and they, they do some of what Augusto talk, talked about before. They, they sort of put their time in and then they stop improving. Unfortunately, the world doesn't stop changing. Technology keeps doing its thing and keep, keeps evolving fast. And in, in the way I answer the question for people is that the, your productivity system needs to match the volume of the tasks that you're trying to manage. And for many, many, many people, the volume because of their job, because of their technology, their family situation increases dramatically, but the habits they use every day aren't even the ones they used in college, which which are usually more sophisticated than the ones they use as an early professional. Those they, they join the workforce, they sort of fall into the groove in which everybody else is in, they they go to the same meetings, everybody wastes their time, you know, they, they, it, the lack of intensity sort of leads them into a lull that 
that I think Augusto described. And I think the answer to it is exactly what you said, is this kind of personal syllabus. Unfortunately, we're not aware that we need to do this, and we're certainly not trained. So that, that strikes me as the, 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 the big challenge of our age in terms of personal productivity. And I would even take it further that there's an interdisciplinary and interfield development that's really important to set yourself up for future success. In in my case, it was adopting and learning technology. And so, you know, it was it was not just my primary career hope, but also understanding how technology fit into it that actually led me to what I believe is, you know, my own success in the space. So I think don't just think about the insular world of your own professional space, but also how you extend beyond that and talk to your peers. You know, it's really important to do to talk to your peers. All right. So that ends round three of today's uh, potpourri of productivity topics. And that leads to my question for all of you gentlemen. And that is about creating integrations between productivity tools, uh, software more specifically than not, but we can talk about analog and, and as well as digital. But in essence, today there are a plethora of tools out there that we are all using, even if we don't recognize that we are just by virtue of probably having a smartphone in your in your hand, you're using a half a dozen to a dozen different pieces of software on top of the operating system on any given day. And so when you're thinking about your personal productivity, how do you connect your various personal productivity tools to really have an integrated life management system, as, as David Allen would call uh, you know, GTD? But in essence, the idea here is how do you how do you deal with the integration of of input? That is, I input into one tool, but now I need it to synchronize uh, and or automate workflow to another tool. And then the reporting functionality. That could be as simple as a notification or a reminder that something needs to be done in the right place and time, but also giving back data, say in the quantified self space as I am, where I want to know how I'm doing, it, you know, creating my own metrics and understanding the, the necessity of meeting those metrics so that I can live my quote unquote best life. Well, automation is one of those things that I see as almost a catch 22. I like it a lot. I do have some things that I automate and you're right. There's a ton of tools out there that you can automate things with. The challenge I run into is that it, it can be a massive rabbit hole. You can spend hours trying to get this to flow to that, to work with this thing through no fault of your own because there isn't standardization of APIs and things like that. And I wouldn't expect there to be because these are all different companies and organizations. I come back to a core piece. When I look at automation pieces for myself, what I'm trying to do is provide myself the equivalent of a digital assistant. So it's a little easier to explain if I give a practical example. When I write an article for my blog, I know I have to put it out in certain social media locations for people to be able to read it. That's a very repetitive process with each one. If it's repetitive, it lends itself to being automated. So that's a good example where I've gone through and used automation tools like Buffer to go through and push content out. I've used tools to go through and integrate to-do items. That works somewhat, but I haven't found it to be 100% for me. I think it's an excellent idea to look into automation if you have a lot of repetitive tasks or a lot of things that you think you could spend your time doing better things than those particular ones. But I don't think it's a requirement. When we, we often will hear people say, you know, you should be able to automate all this stuff. Well, should is a pretty big word. If you're willing to dedicate the time to it, to learn the tools, as you mentioned earlier, Ray, 
and understand how they work, how they don't, and tie all those pieces together, then yeah, you can get some pretty big results. Just understand that that is a significant step that you're going to undertake. I think it's a it's a nice to have, but it's certainly not a must have. You know, Bruce Lee used to said something on the lines of, I am not afraid of the man who has practiced 100 punch one time, but I am afraid of the man who has practiced one punch 100 times. And with systems happen exactly that. I see a lot of people trying to add the new toy or a new toy every week, sometimes even more often than that, and wonder why their system collapse and why their system is not as effective as they want it to be. And the reality goes back to what Art and originally Ray was saying, you know, they don't get the time to know their tool well enough. They they are more into the rabbit trail and the optimization and the automatization, and they hope that somehow they're going to be able to dump everything in a funnel, and then funnel will tell them, call John. Well, I'm not going to say technology may not get there someday, but right now it's not. And right now, the important thing is to be able to access the thing where the place that need to be accessed. And in order to do that, it's a lot more simple than what people make it to be. So really, my, my, my advice on this is simplify. You know, every time you think on add a new tool or add a new automatization component or a new part, think, do I really need this? Or no, you know, really will be cool. It's going to be a more game. Because the problem is we overcomplicate our system. Oh, now I have the task integrated with the calendar, integrated with the email, and now I get a phone call. Okay, great. Do you know what you need to do next? Well, no, I'm waiting for the phone call. Okay, that's there. There is a still that thinking component. You still need to think. You still need to process. You still need to organize. And at least as of today, there is nothing that will automate that process for you. That's something that you need to do. That's something that you need to think. And that's something that you need to figure it out, how to get it done. I think this is all tied into being an expert diagnostician. There's there's a great book called The Goal by Eli Goldrath, which is about, it's really about factory optimization. It's a told in a story format, very easy to read, but it's a great love of people like me who have industrial engineering kind of background. And the essence of the book is that you can try to make all kinds of changes to a complex system like a factory. Most of them don't make any difference whatsoever. And I think the same is true with respect to our personal productivity systems, that what what Art and um, Augusto have focused on are the kinds of changes that people make that don't make any difference and the, the temptation to basically automate nonsense. And the, the, while there may be a tool that will help you to automate something, it's it, it needs to be sort of examined carefully to make sure that it actually will have an impact. And the book goes into how to determine and how to find the bottlenecks. And that's where you need to focus all of your attention. And I think there are bottlenecks in our productivity systems as adults. They're not the same from person to person. And going back to sort of the point we made before that you need to be a great diagnostician to figure out where the bottlenecks are and then to apply the either the tiny habit or the bit of automation or the integration or the the digitization or the gamification or all of the the, the possible tools and techniques but they, they don't make a difference if they're not applied to the bottleneck that's the idea of the goal and i think that's one that would make a big difference to us as adults. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, so for me, I am 
a pretty big fan of automation, except I have the skepticism of art in terms of its usefulness if you don't have the right rails, you know, guardrails on the system. And so I believe that you should not have any automation set up that you can't manage yourself. So the the reality is, is that you should feel comfortable doing it and then the ability to automate it should be a, as really as Art said, a nice to have. And then you can't let go. Automation is kind of like an employee. You have to effectively manage that employee, which means that you just can't set it and forget it. You need to actually pay attention to those things. So I spend as much time probably looking at the uh, the dashboards of activity of I use Ift and Zapier and Microsoft Flow. And for those who are on iOS, there's the the fantastic new shortcuts application built into uh, iOS and which used to be workflow, uh, the app and uh, the, 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 the opportunities are boundless, but at the same time, once too many things are automated and then they start to break, then so does your productivity. So you need to, you need to be able to pay attention to what's happening, making sure that it's it is actually working the way you want it to, and that it's actually happening. So you just can't, you know, if you ask your uh, a, a subordinate or an employee or a colleague even to do something for you, you would probably follow up with them and or look at the result of what they did to make sure that it was done. So all of those things are probably necessary for both quality and as well as just, you know, execution of, of basic functions. So if you're going to if you're going to automate great from an integration perspective one one thing that i will say has been really awesome is that uh, through tools like zapier i'm able to manage my task management in the tool of my choice so that has been that has been such a relief in terms of being able to focus on my tasks on a daily basis on the things that i've chosen to do as opposed to all of the noise that happens in email and in project management tools. So for example, we use Trello and Asana as project management tools in my company for different parts of the company. And I do not track tasks in those systems at all. And I never will. Uh, you know, I use Remember the Milk and I want it to stay there. And through effective automation, I'm able to funnel those things into Remember the Milk, track them there, and keep my eye on the prize. And so I can communicate with the team in our project management tools and via email, and I can focus on my tasks in that single place. So think about that in terms of how you're you're dealing with those things. And I, I actually have it tied to my calendar as well. So, you know, I have my calendar that's looking at the views and I could turn on and off our project management schedules from my calendar and see the tasks in Remember the Milk and everything else is out of sight. And therefore, I have this ability to attend to the project in front of me, which is which is a powerful, powerful uh, modality to be in uh, when you are when you're trying to be highly effective. So just give that some consideration. There are ways in which you can integrate and uh, synchronize those pieces without it becoming an unyielding beast of a project and, and overly complex, which is which is my nature. I tend to make things more complex than they need to be, and so I know that over my, the, my 
you know, my productive life, I have been working to simplify. Whenever I build a system, then I try to go ahead and refactor it so that it's more simple and more elegant because I know that I tend toward that. So if you do, just remember that as you look at other ways of integrating and, and creating automation, that you look at ways to make everything simpler uh, so that you don't make it too burdensome on you as you do monitor and manage the automation. All right. That brings us to the end of round four. And I think we did it, guys. I think we uh, we we made it through a productivity potpourri episode. And I hope that our listeners are enjoying it. You, our listeners, are in- enjoyed all the variety of this particular episode. What is your uh, biggest takeaway from this episode? I want to make sure we leave our audience with a just a nice little actionable nugget. And so what's your biggest takeaway from today's episode? Probably for me, the biggest takeaway and the, the common theme that I've heard through all of our points so far is that we need to focus on starting small, but being deliberate and building our way up into our system and not get overwhelmed, not do the boil the ocean type of thing. Consistently, I've heard that in this. We talk about lots of big capabilities. We talk about long learning plans and things like that. But all of these come back to start with with straightforward, basic step and continue to take those steps and give yourself permission to fail. If they mess up, try something different but just keep working on it. You know, there was a lot of awesome things today, but one of the things I really want to leave for people is give yourself that permission to fail. You know, we get really serious into this, oh, I need to revamp the system or I need to get productive or all this. And then we did not take into consideration that in order to make that happen, we need to get that permission to fail. So if there is, you know, anything else of the, or any of the other things we talk today, you know, really need to be built on top of that permission to fail. If we don't do that, there is nothing to be built. So I will say that will be the most important thing for me today. For me, the most important thing was the the importance of going sort of meta, which is that it's it's great to be productive, but you need to be effective in managing your productive system, your habits, your practices, your skills. You need to be at this next higher level so that you're you're managing the productive activities. And that's that's not the same skill as being productive. Some people are productive just because they work really hard or they figured out the right set of habits to sort of ma- to match their circumstances. But the next level up is to be managing the gestalt, which if you have that skill, then it doesn't matter what technology comes along. doesn't matter how old you get. It doesn't matter what happens with your task volume. You're able to ride around or live your life at that level and cope with any changes that might come. That's sort of the, the thing I took away. And I'll round out the episode with the kind of the flip side to what Augusto was saying, which is if you want a hall pass to success, if you need permission for to, to fail when you get started, then you need a hall pass for success. And that permission slip is to effective planning. And so, you know, the three parts of, of any productivity system is is basically planning, execution, and then reflection or review, uh, if, if you want to think about it in the most simplistic sense. And if you really think about having an effective plan, and that plan could be as 
as simple or as complex as you need it to be in order to get where you want to go. You really need to uh, think about these a- different areas of your life, different areas of your career, and uh, and then start just giving more thought to them than maybe you thought you had been. And once it surfaces, then you can overcome some of the challenges that might exist around them. So this has been great. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, your thoughts. And this brings us to a couple of, uh, of items, and then uh, we'll close out the episode. First and foremost, if you have a question and or comment about this cast or something we discussed here on the episode, feel free to go to the podcast website there on the episode page. There's a comment section. Feel free to leave a comment and or your question, and we'll be happy to respond there. We also have a contact form. If you go to productivitycast.net forward slash contact, you can complete the form. You can actually submit audio if you want to uh, record a question for us to address on a future episode. Uh, If there's errata, you let us know and we'll be happy to uh, go ahead and and respond if necessary. On productivitycast.net is also where you can subscribe to the podcast. So there are links for all the various podcast options uh, on iOS and Android. So feel free to check that out so you can subscribe. Also, if you are on uh, listening through Apple Podcasts or within iTunes or Stitcher, feel free to give us a rating some kind of review, uh, let us know how we're doing. And that actually also helps bring more productivity listeners into the fold. So thank you for doing that. And with that, that brings us to the close of this episode of Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. Thank you to Augusto Pinaud, Art Gelwicks, and Francis Wade for joining me here and every week on Productivity Cast. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud out with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.